tonight, um, water baptism, and uh, want you to be a part of it. Some of you need to get baptized in water. Maybe uh, you never have, and you should. Well, why do you think you should? Because the Bible encourages us, and Jesus did it. I think anything he does might be a good signal that we ought to do it. What do you think? I think. And then there are two reasons people don't get water baptized. Number one, pride. And number two is pride. Both, both. So maybe you say, well, I was water baptized. I was sprinkled with a squirt gun or whatever the case. Now I was younger, but I, I strayed way off and did some bad things. Well, let me encourage you. Just do what I, I, I get water baptized about four times. Why? You ask me why. Why? Because I wandered off. <laughs> oh, Lord, if my mom only knew. Of course, my younger sister's here, and her husband, Ray and Priscilla, God bless you guys. She told on me, no matter what I did, just younger than I was, and everything that I did, she told. And, uh, but water baptism, be, be a part of that. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about the will of God. How do I know the will of God? And okay, I got the will of God down. I understand that, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. But you don't. You you do it good for a while, but then you break loose. And the reason is you don't understand the covenant relationship. When you're in a covenant relationship, and you understand the covenant relationship, you do it uh, consistently uh, in your life. We do the will of God. As a matter of fact, you ought to be asking in everything that you do that you come to a crossroads that's outside the ordinary. Now, how many of you have to pray whether or not you're going to eat every day? Most, most everybody know you know you're going to eat, right? Right? Most everybody knows. So it's not something you have to, Lord, you know, should I eat today? There's an internal mechanism in all of us that God created that says, hunger results in, I need to eat. But, but let's say you get to a place that you're, that's not routine. It's a bit questionable. What, what should I do? Uh, this is it. This it. Uh, Lord, should I go to church next Sunday? Or should I go to the beach for the third time this month? How many of you know what God would say to that? Uh, Y'all know what it is? So here we go. You go to church. Why? That's the will of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together on the Lord's day. That's today. Let's take a look at the main thing, the text for today. Here it is, John 3, 16 and 17. There it is on the screen. I'm going to ask you to read it with me on the count of four. Are you all ready? Six, five, four. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why we say, did you get saved? In other words, that's the Did you get saved? Well, yeah, he saved us through the power of redemption. So we're going to talk about the main thing, the John 3.16 and 17 thing. I've been in ministry now 
if you calculate it right, 49 to 50 years. Started preaching when I was uh, somewhere around 17. My first responsibility it was a volunteer deal. I was fired up. You see, as a young person, I, I was engaged. We had a, what's called a sectional choir for the Lakeland Winter Haven area. It was a youth choir. Churches in that day didn't have strong youth uh, departments. So we had a youth choir and we had youth rallies every month somewhere, Lakeland and Winter Haven. And uh, for a while, I directed that youth choir and was engaged in it, had a wonderful time in the rallies, and uh, had a great... But my first message was at Lake Ida, Assembly of God. That's on North Winter Haven out there on 17. Uh, that was my first message in a pulpit, shaken to death, studied hard, had volumes of notes, and I delivered the whole shebang in 15 minutes. 15 minutes, I thought, wow, how, how did I go through all those notes? Now I have matured today. So this is longer than 15 minutes, okay? I don't have as many notes, but I got it. That was my first opportunity to preach, and that was it. Sharon and I got married, and I was attending Southeastern University. I did youth revivals within driving distance of Lakeland and Winter Haven. I, I preached up in Sumterville. I preached up in uh, Swanee River, preached up in Lake City, all of those areas as a youth evangelist. Look at this. That co hair. I got a, and I had a head full of hair, of sandy blonde hair back then, size 32 in the waist, plus. <laughs> and I did youth revivals. I thought, why waste a good Sunday when you can be out preaching, you know, and get the job done there? And, of course, we, uh, we went, why, why did we do that? Because I felt the call of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. I just believe that everybody ought to live, John 3, 16. And remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and people don't know that. Our first church, of course, was in Bradenton, Florida, first assembly in Bradenton. You know, you've heard the story a thousand times, but for those that haven't, seven people. It was uh, the ground when it rained, it was in a swamp, and uh, in a swamp, and there were big, big mosquitoes. And when it rained, uh, it, it, the ground was mushy, so you get out of your car, sink down about a quarter to a half inch in the mush, and I mean, it was really a magnet for people who love mud and water to come to church. I mean, think about it, ladies. Your high heels would sink right on down into the mud. You had to really want to come to church in those days, and, and they, uh, they came, and we were there for uh, about, uh, about three years, fulfilled the call, the call of God in John 3, 16. Here how it went. As we began to grow, I thought we need to touch kids. And so we got us an old Sunday school bus. I, I didn't care. I, I, I tell you, we took, they had rust spots that big, the sidewalls, the back. I'll never forget it. Took that screen and took Bondo. Bondo, that's some kind of a fiberglass stuff. And we put over it and we sanded it, et cetera, not real smooth, but we got it up and we had it painted and put first assembly of God breaking to Florida. And we went down into Samoset and those areas and we picked kids up. Here's how my schedule was on Sunday morning. I did everything. We cleaned, Sharon and I, we cleaned the church. We vacuumed the church. We mopped the church. We cleaned the windows. We, we just did it, did it all. We, we trapped the rats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I get up on Sunday morning, go to the church and pray, and then get on the old bus and drive it out and pick up kids and bring them back. And then I taught Sunday school, and after teaching Sunday school, I led the worship service. And after leading the worship service, I preached. And after I preached, I gave the altar call. And then we gave the altar call. We crawled back on the bus, drove it home. And after that, we went to lunch. And I thought, everybody ought to do this. 
Why? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. I said, if God loves them, I ought to love them. The problem is they're not here. They're somewhere else. We got to go get them. Amen? We got to go get them. That's, that's what the church ought to live like. So we were there about three years fulfilling, and we went to Arcadia. We didn't know anything about Arcadia. It was a tough challenge. You know, one of the great tough challenges of being in Arcadia was simply this. They didn't have a McDonald's in the whole county. In all of DeSoto County, not one Golden Arch. Not one. Not one McDonald's. McDonald's was my inspiration early in the morning. It's like, God, they're not here. They're not, there's, there's nobody here. It's un- unbelievable. But anyway, the church exploded. We had great, great growth and purchased property there. Why? John 3.16. Everybody ought to know. We thought it's the greatest church in America. Right there. And one of the hardest funerals I ever did was for an individual that was a carny. He was a carny and traveled with the carnival in Arcadia. One of the families did the carnival deal. And this guy was with the carnival, and they had a restaurant. Somebody said, well, why don't you come on out, and let's go to the hoof-guff roof. I said, the what? The hoof-guff roof. Tell me what the hoof-guff roof is. Well, it's out in the middle of a pasture. You, call, you cross a cattle grate. There's no gate, and you drive out in the middle of that pasture, and there it is. And so we went out there. What was the goof? Because they couldn't afford new lumber. So they went out and uh, demolished areas and bought used lumber or didn't really buy it, just picked it up. Didn't matter what color it was. And they built that little place, pizza place and subs, et cetera, and never changed the color. That was the goofiest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. But there it was, hoof goof roof. And the roof, of course, was, was there with different shingles and tin and whatever the case. But I got a call from the funeral director because I engaged in the city. I thought everybody ought to know John 3.16. So, Pastor, we got a guy that he has no family. Uh, we found him dead in the hoof roof. And would you do his funeral? I said, I will. I'll never forget standing in that cemetery. And there's nobody there but the funeral director and another guy. And there's a wood box, not even, you know, a nice casket, just a wood box. And I thought, I don't know this guy. How did y'all find him? Well, another employee went in. He'd been in there for a couple of days. He has no family. We've tried to contact, but nobody knows him. So we just do an internment. I preached a whole funeral message. I thought, I don't care who the guy is. He's deserving of a message. I wasn't sure about the salvation of the funeral director, so I gave an altar call. did. But I got John 3, 6, and you know what I was thinking about? I wonder if I ever met him. I wonder if out here at the Hoofguff Roof, because I'd go after church on Sunday night, I wonder if I ever ran into him. I wonder if anybody in the church ever talked to him about John 3, 16. I wonder, God, if he was right there among people, church people, if anyone ever took the time and on this day, I stand and the wind was blowing and breezy that day. And I had that thought, it has stayed with me the rest of my life and my ministry. God, did I, did I miss him? You see, this message of John 6, 3.16 is so very, very powerful. We ran into some obstacles there. I found out that sometimes you don't have to go out of the church to find people that are not so nice. Some of them are in the church, but we know that our church is nothing but a bunch of dysfunctional misfits. Amen. Just by the grace of God, any of us got a hope in the world. Amen. 
I mean, a hope at all by the grace of God. And we served hundreds of people. Then we went to First Assembly in Mulberry. Here it is. WCIE is going great. First Assembly on Main Street is going great. Here we are. So I'm going to build a church in Mulberry. And uh, the, 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 on CIE, it was a come to First Assembly in Mulberry, where a little bit of heaven is just a few miles south of Lakeland. And we were able to build a new building there. But hundreds came to faith knowing the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Big John Moore was one of the converts who was there. He was kind of the icon that had once been in the church and hadn't been. But he was vocal. And uh, he was uh, his wife, Iris. And the Moore family was known in that church. But old Big John, of course, he hadn't been in the church forever. But I got to tell you, on that Easter Sunday, when I kept going and knocking on that door and kept talking to him, his wife was praying, his mama was praying. Finally, he said to get rid of me, sure, I'll come. Just to get rid of me, can you imagine that? I said, I can count on you now, but he was a person of his word. Shook my hand, he said, I'll be there. Sure enough, on Sunday morning, he showed up. When that choir began to sing, he began to shake. You know what happened? He ran smack dab into the center of John 3.16. His name is Jesus Christ. Rededicated his life to the Lord. When that happened, his two sons got saved. When that happened, his two daughters rededicated their life to Jesus Christ. When that happened, the youth department began to swell, and lives were dramatically changed by the grace of God. Why? You cannot get away from the fact that Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. It was out of that congregation I tell the story of the engineer. His name was Ed down at John's Bar in, uh, in Bartow. He was, hadn't been seen for a couple of days and his wife said, can you find him? I went out and went to look. and went. To, Where does he go? John's Bar. Now listen, when you're a preacher, you better have a good reason to go in the bar. Amen? There's a reason we don't serve wine here. We serve grape juice. You know how you enter the bar? You check in the parking lot out. And you bend down. It always helps to bend down. I don't know why. You ever see somebody walk across the front? They bend down like you can't see them. <laughs> you ever notice that? I went in there, he said, he on khaki pants, I could see him as good as day. They were rolled up here, he had no shoes on. He had shot glasses. I didn't even know what a shot glass was. What are those glasses? Those shot glasses. I, well, anyway, they're expensive. I said, Ed, come go with me. He said, I can't. Come go with me now. We got to get out of here. I can't. He's like Otis on Andy Griffin and Mulberry. <laughs> Mayberry. It was unbelievable. I went to the bar guy. I said, how much is this tab? I was shocked. I thought, wait. He said, I can't pay my tab. I, I usually carry a, a few, few dollars of cash, and I, and I paid his bill. You know how much I had to go through to say I'm taking God's money that belongs to God to pay his alcohol bill? Hello? You, you, you see what I'm saying? But you know what John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever can afford it. 
know what it says that shall not perish and he was perishing I paid the bill and I'm telling you I prayed the sinner's prayer with him and it stuck and I preached his funeral when he died but I know this he died of cirrhosis of the liver from all the drinking but here's what I do know his name was written down in the Lamb's book of life because somebody said John 3:16 is important that none should perish so how do I respond to that and so we enjoyed that blessing of the Lord there. And then we came to the headquarters of the district office and served there for, uh, I don't know, going on, uh, going on eight years and, uh, and, and served there. Ran all over the state of Florida raising money for the, uh, for, for the Family Conference Center and building that and uh, served in a lot of areas. Why? Why? It got weary. I drug my kids all over the state of Florida. We, were, we would leave Friday or we'd leave Saturday. We'd go Sunday. They had to be in school Monday, so we get home at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd sit and think to myself, why in the world am I doing that? Always went back to one thing, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about buildings. It wasn't about adding one more room on. It was about there are people that are lost and young people that need Jesus Christ. Let's give them something that they can come to and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. And may the Holy Spirit speak to them. Everything we do has to relate to John 3.16. Somebody say amen. And here it is at Victory now going on. We are 28 years to know Christ and make him known. So why do you do that? If you're standing with someone and they're breathing their last breath and their last words are important, I'd say they must be pretty important words. So Jesus' last words. If you ever want to know, write it down. Acts, the first chapter, verse number 8. His last words. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus' last words. Well, when he ascended, of course, his last words, Acts 1-9, it says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they're standing like any of us would. Wow, amazing. We just watched him go up. He had no jet propulsion system there. He just went up. An angel came to them and spoke to them. And this is what the angel said in verse number 10 of Acts 1. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It's called the rapture of the church. So you know what? John 3, 16, between Jesus' ascension and when he comes back in the rapture, he said, you go to Jerusalem, you go to Samaria, you go to Africa, you go to the other parts of the earth, and you serve, and you minister, and you do all that you can, but you remember the primary reason and principle is John 3.16, because Jesus died for everybody. Now, here's what I have to deal with. See, how do I manage that? That word's not just to those that were there on that day. How do I respond to that? How, how do I become engrossed in that how do i deliver that you see in the church today the church has become so wonderful that people think the church was created just for our comfort and it's wonderful we have comfort and enjoy blessing but let me tell you something jesus said after you get your little blessing roll your sleeves up and get out there and begin to tell people about jesus christ serve them minister to them encourage them think about them let them know they matter that's how you reach lost people 
not by trying to buy the biggest Bible that you can get online and bring it in and shove it down their throat. They need to see some fruit of the Spirit in your life before you'll ever be able to use that Bible. They need to know you love them, you care about them. No matter whether they're red, black, yellow, no matter what their beliefs are, they know, hey, you are important and valuable to me for God so loved the world. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No. Whoever's a member of the local church shall be saved. No. Whoever gives $1,000 a year to the church, no. Whoever is involved in the most programs of the church, no. Whoever knows the pastor best, no. Whoever's related to the pastor, no. Whoever's a deacon's kid, no. Whoever was a charter member, no. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, period, shall be saved. Amen? For if a man confess with his mouth and believe in his heart, he shall be saved. Revelation 3.20, this is Jesus, the Word of God. You know he's talking? He's talking to the church. Hey, church people. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. And I want you to know if you'll open the door, that is open your heart and listen to what I have to say. I'll come in and reason with you, sit down with you, and I'll give you good food to eat. Why did he do that to the church? Because often we lose our intensity of our mission. The church, we forget why we exist. We forget we get lost in the fuzziness of life. But the truth of the matter is there is nothing pretty about a man hanging on the cross of Calvary with large drops of blood falling into the ground and his body and face so so torn that you cannot recognize him. And then they take him off the cross, place him in a borrowed tomb, and you might say that's the end of the story. What makes the gospel count is this. But on the third day, hallelujah, he arose from the dead and said, now whoever believes in this will have everlasting life. Put your hands together and let's thank Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. It must not be fuzzy. So here's the disciples. Disciples that in one event took place in John 4. Uh, they're traveling, disciples traveling with Jesus. They're, they were a rowdy bunch. How many of you think you, might, you could have been one of his disciples? I think we all could have been. We all fit the mold. The reality is there they travel and they got near the lady there in the city and it's a Samaritan and she's she's a Samaritan, the well and then and the disciples turned to Jesus and said, You know what, it's time to go. I I wonder, hey, hey, Peter, would you Google to find out what the best barbecue restaurant is here? Mm. No, Thomas said, I don't want barbecue, I want I want Italian food. Somebody else said, No, I'll tell you what, I want fish and chips. Fish and chips, that's good. Peter, that's down your alley. That's right. Well, let, we're going to eat. Come on, Jesus, let's go. Jesus said, I'm not going. He said, well, why not? He said, I, I've got ministry here. See, Jesus looked into that Samaritan woman who was there filling up her vessels with water. He looked past her face. He looked past her trembling hands. And he saw into her heart. And he saw that she had a checkered past. He saw in her not a perfect life. He saw in her the death angel that was in her because she had not been redeemed. And he said to the boys, you guys going into town. I'm going to stay out here. When they left, he got with her and he just began to talk to her. 
He cared for her. She saw in him a genuine concern for her life, for her family, for her children. And when the disciples were coming back, she was running in the other direction toward town. They thought, wonder what happened to her out there. She forgot her water vessels. She went by them like a streak. They walked on out to where Jesus was and said, man, it's a great meal, Jesus. You really missed it. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, hey, let me tell you something. I ate of food that you know not of. While you were taking care of yourself physically, I was ministering to the need that of a woman who was on her way to hell that thought no one cared, there was no hope, and I saw her need, and I gave her something that changed her life. Oh, by the way, boys, did you meet her when she was going into town? Peter must have spoken up and said, buddy, and she was tearing it up. She got to town, and she said, I need to tell everybody that outside of town there at a well, I left my water vessel there, but that no matter, something happened to me that I cannot explain. My life has changed. My life is different. May the church never forget that the gospel has that kind of power and that people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, it was her testimony. Another area, you might want to use your imagination. Some of you had a great imagination. It's Mark the fourth chapter, verse 3. The Pharisees, there were a religious group. A religious group. You got that? Religious group. A lot of people have religion, but religion's not going to get you to heaven. By, why don't I pause right now and give the hand of our online audience. There are thousands out there looking right now. Put your hands together all over the world. Their religious group, they hated Jesus. They didn't like him. So they, uh, they got together, the Pharisees, and said, we got to have a sting operation you got to have a good imagination. Now, you all with me? you got a sting operation here. We're going to assign two of you out of the committee. You need to go find a crippled person. And we're going to have a meeting on the Sabbath. Two of you go and invite Jesus to be the speaker in the synagogue. So that's what they did. Two went out, and they found this guy with a withered hand. He was a cripple. Everybody knew him. He'd been crippled a long, long, long time. They brought him in and said, where where do you want him to sit? You want to seat him in the back? Oh, no. Sit him right up there in the front. Jesus is going to be up there preaching and teaching. Set him right down front. So Jesus said, sure. Jesus got there. There was standing room only, Taylor. They were all the way around the wall. You know what they wanted to do? If we can catch him in an act of doing something on the Sabbath, That'll end his career. That'll end his ministry. And we'll go to the Rodians, to the Herodians, and we'll tell them, and they will give an order to arrest him. Now they're watching. Jesus is teaching. And he looked down and he locked eyes. That's you. He locked eyes on the man that was crippled. He locked eyes. He said, stand up. The man, first time I've ever been on the front row. First time I've ever been in the synagogue. And the man who's doing the teaching, stand up. He stood up. When the word of the Lord gives a command, 
I'm telling you, the devil has to lose his grip. Jesus said, be healed. In that moment, that man watched that withered arm begin to straighten out and yet perfectly whole. Hallelujah. And when it happened, the Pharisees turned and said, we got him now. He did that on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And here's what the Bible said in the story. They cleared out. They cleaned house and they left. No one was left. You got to slow down to read it. But when you read it, you'll know no one was left except Jesus and the withered and the man who was once a cripple. (laughs) This man didn't know anything. You know what Jesus, the Bible says, was upset in his heart? Nobody cared about this guy. They only want to use him as bait. Nobody cared about his family. No one cared about his illness. No one cared about he, he was uh, destitute. No one really cared about the pain that he had gone through. No one cared about his welfare. Nobody did. They just needed to use him. Let me pause here. Be careful that you don't ever just use Jesus. He redeemed you for a purpose. He redeemed you and me that was unworthy. And he placed his hand on us. And he said, be healed. My sins are gone. I've been redeemed. When he said, did I get you in trouble? Jesus said, no, you didn't get me in trouble. The Pharisees ran. They went straight to the Herodians, and they said, this is what he did. We all saw it. Now go, go arrest him. Jesus said to him, you're healed. Go and do the things that you've always wanted to do. You're a different man. Can I say to you, and listen carefully, The greatest crippling disease today is sin. Is sin. What is it? It separates you from God. You might say, well, I'm redeemed. I give my heart to Jesus. What about the other people that we talked about last week of using your style of evangelism, whether it's by your testimony? Have you told somebody what Jesus did for you? Or what about invitation to gather at the house of the Lord? One lady said to me at the end of the first service, look, I bought many of my family members today because of the message last week. How often do you bring somebody with you using that style of invitation? I invited a precious gal here this week. She's become a dear friend. Nikki is her name. She bought her whole family today. Justin, I'm so glad that Nikki is here. I say, thank you, Jesus. She came in. I hugged her neck, said, hallelujah. She said, she not only came, she bought her kids. She has the kind of influence, and she's the kind of gal. I think nobody would turn her down, a sweet lady. You see, what it means is this. People need God. The power of rebellion is there. We see it every day. The people say that we don't care. You see, we care about families. We care about people. We care about lost souls. We care about the children. And God did not come to condemn. He came to redeem individuals. God says, listen, I want my heart to be your heart. And so the main thing for us at Victory, as we've talked now, this is the the third message. The main thing is the main thing is we need to reach lost people. We need to say, hey, come on and be a part of the family. We need to touch people that might be waffling in their relationship with Jesus. God never called us to have a holy huddle syndrome. 
If our ideology in the church world becomes fuzzy about redemption, we're in big trouble. It must not be fuzzy. When I, when I go out and I, how many of you love to people watch? Okay, I'm going to ask it again because y'all, y'all real slow. Yes, real slow people watch. I, I love to people watch. I really do. So I go to the mall, wherever. And Sharon is doing, you know, her whatever she does. Shopping. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm being really just transparent with you. I usually don't use the word honest. You, you know I've said that. If I had to say, I'm going to be honest with you. What that immediately says to me will tell me when you're going to be dishonest then. If you've got to qualify when you're going to be honest, <laughs> I want to know you're honest all the time. Because I say transparent. So I'm being transparent. I look at people and I think, how in the name of the Lord did he ever get her? You ever <laughs> notice it? If she was looking for the ugliest person in her community, she found him. <laughs> Anybody ever think that? I mean, it's like, my Lord, how mercy. He's a beast. I mean, she's a queen, you know. And he goes up and saying, great day in the morning. She must have been healed of blindness or something. It's like, I mean, it's just crazy, you know. I'm, I'm, and, and is that all right to say? I hope it is. <laughs> and, and how many of you feel that way about your spouse that you men feel like that she... Well, just let me help some of y'all raise your hand here. You know, and then, and then I say, you know, that's a, you know, it's, it's amazing because I, I get it right. Cause I think, you know, the many women, most men married way up. Amen. Can I get an amen, amen from some of y'all married way up? I don't know how you got her, Robbie. I don't cause I've known you all your life. I don't know how you got her. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Say amen. amen. Right where the, they can amen. hear you. Amen. amen. There you go. <laughs> or me, or me. It's, it's amazing. So you look at people, and I'm saying, well, what, did, what in the world did they see? You know what you automatically think? His parents must be wealthy. <laughs> she went for the money. She went for the money. But here's, here's what happened. A eunuch, he was the treasurer. And Philip was walking toward Jerusalem, and, uh, and was walking toward Jerusalem, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, said to him, take the desert road. Oh, take the desert road? What do you mean, take the desert road? There is a shorter road to Jerusalem, and you want me to take the desert road, and it's hot out here. You know, you take the desert road. He took the desert road, and he ran in <clears throat> to a eunuch who was in the chariot, and he was reading the 53rd chapter. How you doing? Good, I like your hair. Looks good. <laughs> 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Philip walked up and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, No. I just know that according to the Moses law, I'm supposed to read it. So I'm reading it. Well, Philip said, Let me explain it to you. Here's what it means Isaiah, he was wounded bruised for our transgressions. The Jews crucified him. You know, in the process, we're going to crucify him. And that's the process that took place. He said, but you can be redeemed. And he prayed the prayer. 
And I mean, that guy came to faith. When he came to faith, they're walking along. He's in the chariot. Philip's kind of walking along with him. I'd have hitched a ride myself. And they got to a body of water. Here's what happened. You see, when you get redeemed, supernatural infusion of discernment and wisdom becomes yours. You begin to think in spiritual terms. You begin to see people differently. You begin to behave differently. You begin to look at people differently. You begin to look at people as I people watch. I'm thinking, I wonder if they're right with God. I wonder if they've got a relationship. Everybody that you know for the most part has got a good dose of religion. But religion, let me give you a little yard talk, ain't going to get you in to heaven. No man cometh to the Father except through the Son. This eunuch looked and said, you know, there's a body of water. You think I ought to be baptized? (laughs) Philip said, well, now, I think you should. Why don't we just get you on out there? And took him under the water, and he was baptized that very day. What were the two reasons I said most people don't get baptized when they need to? Number one was pride, and what was the other? Pride. But if you're in love with Jesus and you come to the realization of what he's done for you, you begin to say, he's the only one that matters. And I want my family, I want those that I work with, I want them to know Jesus. I want them to love him and lean on him. Not for a religion, but because you have a relationship. And when you have a relationship, you begin to get your priorities straight. That is the main thing. Let's stand. Give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Here we go. You know, that was a good Hulk Hogan clap. But I want you to clap for the king of the universe, amen, that Hulk Hogan needs to get to know. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment, and those of you online, if you would just pay attention for this moment. Let's stay still, everybody. Maybe uh, some of you are in this room, not maybe, you're here. You see, I just unburdened my heart with the message that God gave me. So I'm free of that now. I've delivered it. The Bible said, how shall they know except a preacher preach? And we delivered the word. So now here's what has to happen. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in my life that God says, I want you to just tweak a little bit. I want you to pay attention. I want you to make a decision. So now you have to deal with what you heard. So you got to say, how's my priorities? How are they? How are my priorities? You know, do I, is God up there first? Is church up there? Is, is witnessing up there? Is my personal devotional life, is that up there? Is that somewhere way down in the dredges of my life? Down there in the weeds somewhere that when it's convenient, I do all those things. Or is it at the top that lets Jesus know I see your fruit You'll know them by the fruit they bear. That's what the Bible says. You'll know them by the fruit they bear. And it is amazing if you say, my priorities are out of whack. Right now, in Jesus' name, you can reset the priority button. Just one prayer. 
because you need to ask forgiveness that you haven't been as committed as you needed to be. And some of you that are committed, maybe you're murmuring a little bit, wondering if it works. Let me tell you, every time you do the right thing, when you could do the not-so-right thing, God will honor you if not now. Later on, you'll look back at a particular moment and say, I'm glad when I could have done the not-so-right thing, I did the right thing, even though it caused sacrifice and it took discipline. God will honor that. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've been enjoying myself. It's me, myself, and I. Nobody ever cut me any slack, so I've been doing what I want to do for a long time. And yeah, yeah, you know, I know all about God, et cetera, et cetera, but I just don't believe you. You know what? You know why you don't believe the things that you should believe? is because your heart is not spiritually in tune with Jesus. When your heart gets baptized with redemption, you begin to think differently. You begin to talk differently. So I wouldn't expect you until you've had a heart transformation to think anything differently. But the minute that you do, if you humble yourself, he is faithful and just to forgive you and your world will change in a moment. So I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer. Here we go. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. I have sinned. I've messed things up. I haven't been as faithful. But right now, out of my heart, I confess with my mouth that I am sorry. I will do better by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Do what I can't do. And I will honor you. I will praise you. I am not ashamed of you. I will serve you. And I will touch the lives of those who need love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. Here we go. You say, I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. We put in large print, it's a bazooka card. I asked him this morning, why in the world is a card so big? Then it dawned on me, why shouldn't it be bazooka big? You can't hide it. You notice that? You can't hide it. It's Romans Road. What is it? It gives you the simple scriptures to talk to people about Jesus. What if Philip had not been prepared when that individual wanted to know what the scripture meant if he didn't know and you know what we find out according to the stats, Pew Research, most people in the church don't know how to tell people about Jesus and don't even know the scripture. I said, that's going to change on Sunday morning. It's October 1st, right? And today, October 1st? Help me now, you're a teacher. October 1st. Here it is. Or you can go online, victorylakeland.org. And we have four other ways, evangelism tools that you can use. So here it is. Take it, read it, look at it, and then say, God, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me. But if you're here this morning and you say, I need prayer. I prayed for a precious little granddaughter of a lady. First time they've been here in forever. And the grandma or granny or grams, whatever they call. So would you pray for my little granddaughter? She's just diagnosed with sugar diabetes. I said, sweetheart, look at me. Remember this, James, say James, James. Chapter 5, say it, chapter 5, she said it. Verse 14. I said, but start with 13 and read 14. 
Now, what book, James? What chapter 5? What verse 13 or 14? I said, here's what it says. I'm about to pray for you, and you are about to be healed by the grace of God. Did it happen here? It took place in the lobby. If you don't believe that the Holy Spirit of God is powerful, is a healer, and can change your life, you need to go and get yourself another dip. And I'm not talking snuff. I'm talking another dip of redemption. Amen? And let God touch your life. He is powerful and he's real. So if you need prayer, you come. And then we're going to give the dismissal. As we sing, you come and just believe God with me right now. Would you do that?